Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. They have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And I've got a problem with soccer, to be fair. Football. What I can guarantee to you is that they want to keep everything secret. Welcome down to Champions YouTube friends, drop in your comments and questions in the chat and make sure you smash the like and subscribe buttons as we talk with the legendary Fabrizio Romano. Here we go. I am Ian Joy. I'm joined by the House of Champions dream team. Yes, that is my co-host Jonathan Johnson, my co-host Michael Hood, and we welcome in the one and only, the hardest working and most prepared man when it comes to the beautiful game, Fabrizio Romano. Fab, happy new year to you. How are you doing, buddy? Thank you, my friend. All great, all great. Happy to be here with you and with the guys. Ready to answer many questions, and I expect this week to be pretty busy on the market. We're going to get fired into you in just a moment, but I want to say hi to Jonathan Johnson. Happy New Year to you. Hello, man. Happy New Year to you, too. Great to have you back. Thanks very much. Michael, how are you doing, bud? Uh, I'm good. I'm great. I'm grand. And I've got tons of questions for Fab today, especially regarding my personal team. <laughs> okay, we're looking forward to that. Let's get into it. Manchester United, obviously, there's a lot of rumors going on right now, Fabrizio. I have been waiting in anticipation to talk to you because I follow you, obviously, intensely through social media. The amount of times you tweet and it comes up on my phone, I'm like, what's happening now? What's happening now? <laughs> and then I saw this name, Wout Weghorst, potentially on his way to Manchester United. Um, one of the strangest, bizarre moves in my head right now is this move. What is happening? Why is this happening? Explain further. Yes, it, it sounds crazy, honestly, uh, also to me and I think to many people. But Manchester United were looking for something cheap. We know that the idea of Eric Hag was to bring in Cody Gakpo, but was not possible because of the of the fee. And so £50 million pounds was way too much, I don't think, included for, for Cody Gakpo. And so Man United, because the Glazers are selling the club, are looking for a cheap option on the market. So they explored many possibilities. We know, for example, Memphis Depay was one of the names, but Barcelona want to keep the same squad until the end of the season. They are not bringing in any player in January because of the financial fair play, so Memphis was not easy. Joe Felix in, on loan was one of the options, but Atletico Madrid keep asking 18, 19 million euros for a six-month loan between the salary and the loan fee, so it's a really complicated deal. And this is why Manchester United are now really convinced on this Vejors deal from uh, Bejiktas. He's on loan from Bejiktas, uh, so from uh, Barnley to Bejiktas uh, with a buy option of 10 million euros. A few minutes ago, before our live episode, uh, Besiktas made an official statement saying that there is no clause included in the contract for 2.5 million euros to break the contract with Besiktas in case any Premier League club will call. So the negotiation is needed between Besiktas, Burnley and May United. What we can add is that the player already said yes to May United. He already had a conversation and told with uh, Eric Ten Hag. So Ten Hag thinks that it could be kind of striker they don't have in the roster in this moment. Physical striker, tall striker to help the team with different skills. And so the negotiation is advanced. I think they will try to complete everything this week. 
Fab Vekvorst is one of the leading aerial duel specialists in the Turkish league. But we know that when transfers go out and players leave a club, they have to replace that player with someone else. What does Besiktas do and where do they go from here? Because I'm hearing rumors that they might already have a replacement in line for him. And who is this player? Yes, they have many players in the list, not just one, but the rumors about Vincent Abubakar are concrete. It's true that they are interested in Abubakar. They are not the only club, eh? because also some club in England and in different countries is exploring this possibility. We know that Al Nasr have to terminate the contract of a player to register Cristiano Ronaldo as soon as possible. So it's a priority for the club, and they are in negotiations with Abubakar to try to find a way uh, and to, to terminate his contract. And then at that point, a striker like Abubakar available on the market on a free could be a big opportunity. This is why Bejiktas had some contacts. Let's see if they can find an agreement with Abubakar. If Abubakar will find an agreement with Al Nasr on the contract termination, because now is a positive situation for Abubakar. He can control the negotiation with Al Nasr as they are in a Show Iraq. me the exactly. money, baby! <laughs> exactly. So it's a very good situation for Abubakar. <laughs> but I'm sure I'm sure it is the main target for Besiktas. Yes. Uh, really interesting as well. And on the topic of United and potential attacking options, is there any truth to the fact that they might consider exploring a return for, for Memphis Depay? It's not the first time that we've heard mm. these rumours, but obviously with Eric Ten Hag uh, and his history, his knowledge of the, the Dutch game, you have to kind of take these uh, suggestions a bit more seriously now that he's in charge. Yes, he's always been discussed internally Manchester United. Also last summer, you remember when we had that crazy week, the second week of August, when Manchester United were negotiating for Marco Arnautovic and then they decided to try for Joe Felix and then they signed Anthony. It was really difficult in that moment for May United to have the control of the market. Memphis Depay was already discussed internally at the club. Uh, but then again, in December, they had some conversation to understand the conditions of the deal. But what's the point? The first one is about Barcelona. Barcelona are in a difficult situation with the financial fair play. Uh, as they always stated in public and in private, they have no intention to do anything in January. So the idea of Xavi is to keep the same squad until the end of the season and then to change again in June, in July. So I think Memphis has a very good chance to stay at Barcelona until the end of the season. And then Memphis is free agent in June. It means that he can pick his favorite club in the next months. He can have a very good deal because we know that when you move as free agent is very good for players and agents too and so at the moment for Memphis the situation is is really quiet this is why my United are focusing or Vegors because with with Barca it's not easy now to have a green light for Memphis Depay never say never because we know the financial situation of Barcelona and so maybe some club in the final days of January will try to pay some money to Barca the situation could change but at the moment is is not an easy one and sticking with Barca as well, uh, there's been some rumours about Benjamin Pavard. Uh, there were some comments as well from uh, Sally Hamizic, the, the Bayern Munich sporting director, the other day. Is there any more clarity uh, building on uh, on his future? Because for me, I, I interpreted Sally Hamizic's comments in quite a strange way. Like he's basically admitted that the player and the club have different aims, but also at the same time expressed his hope that they'd be able to continue together. It seemed a bit weird to me. Yes, I agree with you. Honestly, if you want my honest opinion, I think Salamizic was doing an excellent job as public communication, like saying, OK, I hope the player will stay. But I think they know at Bayern that the player priority in the summer will be to try something new, because I'm told that Pavard will explore options in the summer. Also, last summer, it was an option for Chelsea and many other clubs. I think next summer with Barcelona is a serious possibility. I'm told that his agents are already in conversations with Barca. They had some positive contact. So he's one of the names considered by Barcelona because he can play as fullback, as centre-back, so it could be a good option for, uh, for Xavi in the summer. So Barca is exploring this possibility and at the moment there is no agreement at all with Bayern to extend the contract. Current deal expires in June 2024, so this is why Pavard could be a serious target for, uh, for Barca, but it's something that will be discussed, I think, in, in April, in May, in June, not now.
You're watching House of Champions. It's Fabrizio Romano with Jonathan Johnson, Michael Hood, and myself. You enjoy uh, the questions. I continue to be fired in the comments. Keep those questions coming. We'll try to get to as many as we possibly can. But before I do, I want to ask you about Cristiano Ronaldo and his agent, uh, Jorge Mendes here. I know obviously you have great relationships with players, but also with agents in particular. Um, what went wrong with uh, Cristiano and his agent? Seems like the split is uh, completely done now. And uh, what is the future looking like for Cristiano Ronaldo as far as an agent goes? Yes, I think uh, after maybe 19 or 20 years together, Jorge Mendes started a world career with, uh, with Cristiano Ronaldo. What they did together has been history of football, I think, for Jorge Mendes as an agent and, of course, for Cristiano as a player. So it was not an easy situation to manage after the interview Cristiano did with Piers Morgan when he basically destroyed Manchester United in public. And so for Jorge Mendes, who has an excellent relationship with Man United, it was also not easy to manage the situation. And this is why it's true that the deal was not completed, fully completed by Jorge Mendes with, with Al Nasr, this is the truth, but we also know that in football, Cristiano Ronaldo, his history of Portugal, Jorge Mendes in football is one of the most influential uh, figures in the football world and in Portugal, of course, so never say never in football, but at the moment it's true that the deal with Al Nasr was not made by Jorge Mendes. Hmm, yeah, Fab, one of my Christmas wishes, and I'm sure United fans' Christmas wishes, was certainty and closure about a one Harry Maguire, did we get our wish? Is there is there certainty and closure about him in this Aston Villa move? Please, 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 please. No, you know, yesterday I received many messages after this this news on social media, this tweet on social media going around saying Aston Villa are going to sign uh, Harry Maguire, done deal. But I'm told on all sides, on Aston Villa side, on my United side, on player side, that there is nothing, but not even mm. a negotiation. So at the moment there is nothing. And also my United side, they state that the player... Is expected to stay for the second half of the season to continue to fight to be the captain of the team, and then at the end of the season they will discuss together about the future. But I don't see Maguire leaving Man United unless they receive a really important proposal. But at the moment, from Aston Villa, there is absolutely nothing. Well, I'm hoping you're going to have some better news for me on the other Aston Villa transfer front because you've got the rumours about bringing in Moreno from Real Betis. Uh, if I understood correctly from some reports, he's not uh, made the the trip with Betis for the Supercoppa. Uh, is that correct? Are we getting uh, close to uh, to the famous here we go from Fab Romano? <laughs> Yes, yes, it's really close. It's really close now. They are they are discussing the final details between clubs because with the player everything is is agreed. Alex Moreno was already really close to join Premier League with Nottingham Forest in the summer. Then the deal collapsed because he decided to to stay at Betis. But now the agreement is is imminent. Uh, Unai Emery has been pushing a lot for this player because they need a new left back. Alex Moreno has always been appreciated by Unai Emery already when he was Villarreal manager. And so now everything is really close. The total fee between guaranteed money and the don'ts is going to be around. 14 million euros so they are discussing the final details but the player was not traveling because the transfer is really really close so one more signing is coming for for Aston Villa all right let me just uh, get into some of the comments before we finish off with some other latest news that you have been breaking Fabrizio and um, there has been a lot of comments coming in I'll try to get to as many as I possibly can Aaron Alexander very uh, active in the comments right now threw this question up about five times thank you Aaron uh, will there be more decisive talks on Mudrik and Felix this week with mm. Arsenal and also will Atletico be able to compromise with a club to reach for a lower loan fee than they first put as a price tag interesting question but let's talk about Mudrik more than anything. Yes, also because on Felix, we have to wait for Atletico. I'm not Atletico director, so I can tell you what they will do at the moment. <laughs> at the moment, they still want 18, 19 million euros. I would love to change the fee, but I can't, honestly. So at the moment, Atletico are very clear. They don't want to accept less than 18, 19 million euros for a loan fee. Uh, sorry, loan fee and salary. So imagine you just have the player for five, six months and then 
nothing else. So you have to negotiate with Atletico in the summer again. So Joe Felix deal is is not easy as of now, but we know how things change in football and on the market. So let's follow this one until the end of the of the market. Also because his agent, who is Jorge Mendes, is still speaking to Arsenal and to all the English clubs, trying to find a solution. And for Mudrik, I think there will be new contacts this week, again, for sure, because Arsenal have always been in contact with, uh, with Shakhtar, but also in October, in November, they always had a direct communication with, uh, with Shakhtar, trying to find a way, not easy at all, because they offered 40 million plus add-ons, rejected, 50 million plus add-ons, rejected. They keep speaking to Shakhtar, but Shakhtar have been very honest with Arsenal and with Chelsea too, because Chelsea, Chelsea had a meeting with Shakhtar director Dario Serna last week in London. Mm. He was also in top bowling box uh, for the Chelsea Man City mm. game. And Shakhtar again asked for 100 million euros for Mikhailo Mudrik. So at the moment, they insist on that fee for their star. Let's see if Arsenal and Chelsea will be able to change the situation. The feeling of all the people in the industry, agents, directors, and people close to the deal, is that at the end, Shakhtar could accept something close to maybe 80, 85 millions so they can change their conditions of the deal. But as of today, they still insist with 100 million. So this is why Arsenal are pushing. The player wants to join Arsenal. This is for sure. Modric wants Arsenal move. But Chelsea will try until the end. Chelsea are speaking to Shakhtar. Chelsea will try if Arsenal deal collapses. So let's follow this one this week. I think it's going to be, again, an important week for Modric. I want to get a quick opinion from the boys here. Jonathan, I mean, listen, 100 million, we're starting to get to ridiculous numbers here now for Mudrik. And Fabrizio's been talking about Mudrik for a long time here. And as far as I'm concerned, Mudrik is making a lot of noise himself. He wants a move, but 100 million, I know he's good, but 100 million seems a ridiculous price tag, JJ. It doesn't, it doesn't. Uh, I mean, I think they were, you can understand Shakhtar's point of view when they point at similar players who have gone for, for you know, for these big fees. Also, this is a sort of, I mean, I'm not going to say once in a lifetime, but this kind of opportunity is not going to come along anytime soon, I don't think, for Shakhtar. Uh, and if I if I remember correctly, uh, since Fab has been talking about this story, the feeling is that they will accept lower than that, but they're saying 100 to drive the price up as high as possible. Realistically, Shakhtar, in their current situation, and obviously, unfortunately, with the political situation dragging on as well, they're not going to be in the position to cash in on a player, certainly not a player of this talent uh, again anytime soon. So it's a question, I think, for them of making the most of this opportunity, uh, you know, to give themselves, you know, some hope in the future, because although Shakhtar have been a staple on the European stage, uh, you know, sort of the last uh, 10 to 20 years, you know, I think that status for them is under threat given the situation that they uh, and the rest of Ukraine obviously uh, is in uh, in a footballing sense. Fabrizio, back to the Premier League and a club that's been one of the surprise stories of the season, Newcastle United. It's great to see the Magpies back in the top four and doing well. They've got money and money to spend. What does their January transfer window look like given their success they've had so far this season? First of all, I love Newcastle approach on the market, honestly, because as always, as I always say, when it's about Newcastle, I still remember when the new owners arrived and we had many rumors of old players maybe joining Newcastle, big names with big salaries. They decided to go with completely opposite strategy, young players ready for Premier League and with big value for the future. So I think what they're doing is really special. And this window, the mission is exactly the same. They will do something if they feel it's the right opportunity. So at the moment, nothing is still 
advanced or close to being completed, but they're working on some potential ideas. For example, Ivan Fresneda, this right back from Valladolid, born in 2004, one of the most talented right backs in Europe in this moment. They're following him. They're, had, they're having some conversations with his agents. Let's see if they will decide to proceed with an official bid. At the moment, it's not a direct negotiation yet, but right back is one of the positions they could cover, and he's one of the players they are they are following. Yuri Tillemans, out of contract with Leicester in the summer, could be a big opportunity on the market. Newcastle are well informed on the situation, but again, at the moment, they're really quiet in the negotiation on club side because they want to make sure it's the best opportunity and the best moment to sign uh, to sign the player. And then one of the top targets they have, let's see if it's going to be January because at the moment it's not easy at all, or summer, but remains Madison. He's the player they love. They consider him the perfect player for their idea, for Eddie Howe idea. And so hmm. I would keep Madison into the targets for uh, Newcastle for sure. Wow. Another player as well who's been attracting Premier League interest, uh, since, certainly since the World Cup, is Asdin uh, Unahi from uh, Angers. Uh, have you got any update on uh, on potential interest in him? We've seen Leeds, uh, you know, added to the race for his signature. Leicester, I mean, there's even been some speculation in France that PSG might have taken a look at uh, at him as well. Any any update on the Moroccan World Cup star? What I can guarantee from what I'm told is that uh, Unahi will not go to PSG. 100%. Uh, I'm told that PSG are not going to invest on this kind of players. They want to protect the talents they already have in the squad. Uh, and so I don't see them investing that money on, on Unahi. So at the moment, I'm told there are no negotiations ongoing and I don't see PSG going for him. I also saw some reports, but again, I'm told this is not correct. Uh, I think there is a chance for him to move to different league because Leeds are interested. This is true. Let's see how the conversations will go with Angers. It's not easy to find an agreement now after the World Cup, but Leeds are interested. Also, we have to mention Napoli because Napoli made an official bid a few days ago, 15 million euros. Angers won 30 million euros, so there is a big gap at the moment. But Napoli would sign the player now and let him stay on loan until the end of the season. So he would join Napoli in June 2023. So it would take some time also for him to stay at Angers and could be positive for the club. So Napoli, Leeds, Olympic Marseille, also interested, but they just signed Ruslan Malinowski. I think this is a very good signing for Olympic Marseille. The player is now in Marseille to complete the medical tests. So let's see, many clubs interested in him, but I think it's going to be a very interesting name and something will 100% happen in the next days. We've got about five minutes left with the one and only Fabrizio Romano. You're watching House of Champions. Fabrizio, the amount of questions that are coming in right now about Chelsea are absolutely ridiculous. I feel like someone's <laughs> spamming the chat right now. Let's get to it. I mean, uh, KSA-Man says, hello, Fab. Any latest news on Chelsea midfield target um, or right back or even forwards? Then we also have a comment from Baba. He says, uh, Fab, is Potter close to being sacked? I mean, I guess an overall look at Chelsea Football Club right now. Looks like they're going to stick with Potter, but any transfer updates? Yes, this is the feeling into the club. They want to continue with, with Potter and to protect the manager. I think it's absolutely normal. Okay, it's a difficult moment, very difficult moment, but they trusted Potter. They decided to invest their project uh, with, with Potter as one of the faces of the project. And so this is the, the idea on the transfer market. We know that the Enzo Fernandez deal at the moment is completely quiet because Benfica, after the crazy week of negotiations last week, they told Chelsea, if you want the player, the only way is come here, pay the close, 120 million euros or nothing. So this is the only way for Enzo. And at the moment, everything is quite again. Let's see what Todd Bolly will decide, but it's quite again. On the midfield, I would keep an eye again on Moises Caicedo. He's one of the players they appreciate. Mm -hmm. 
Potter knows him very well, so it could help also to have a player already knowing the ideas and the tactics of, of Graham Potter. But let's see how it will be with Brighton, because we know how tough it is to negotiate with Brighton, and Chelsea know too after the Kukureya deal in, uh, in the summer. And for the striker situation, uh, Winger, we know about Mudrik, let's see what happens, but Arsenal are still leading the race. Center striker, I would keep an eye on Marcus Tura, because Chelsea had some conversation with his agents. Turam is free agent in the summer, he's not going to extend the contract with uh, Gladbach, and so he has many proposals for the summer on a free English clubs Italian clubs including Inter so he has many possibilities but Chelsea approached him to sign now so let's see what will be the conditions of the deal how much Gladbach will ask for Turan Chelsea will explore these conditions before deciding but this is a possibility for Chelsea in the next weeks as new striker all right, we're almost out of time for Beatsio. Last question, pretty much. Um, let's talk about international coaches. Obviously, you broke the news about Roberto Martinez this morning going to Portugal. Um, we're hearing, obviously, rumors about Thierry Henry potentially taking over with Belgium. And then uh, Zinedine Zidane not interested in apparently taking any international job right now. What's happening on the international level right now as far as coaches are concerned? Good move for Martinez as far as you're concerned? No, oh, of course. I think it's a very good move. You know better than me, but uh, I think Roberto has a big opportunity now with Portugal. This generation of talents in Portugal is, is really insane. They have many fantastic players, not just attacking players, because in their history they had many talents, but also defenders. For example, Antonio Silva, I think, is going to be one of the best centre-back in Europe in the next years, and he will have a big opportunity to develop all these talents. So the deal with, uh, with Martinez is, is today signed and completed until 2026. And let's see with the other national teams, because we still have of course USA but also Belgium as you mentioned Thierry Henry one of the options but not the only one I'm told and also Brazil we had some links with Jose Mourinho today from Italy saying that Jose Mourinho could be tempted about uh, Brazil proposal but I'm told there is no bid and Jose Mourinho wants to continue with Roma at least until the end of the season so I don't see Mourinho becoming as of now new Brazil coach and so there are still many possibilities for uh, for coaches for uh, national teams and so it's going to be an interesting one to follow I think also in February not just in Germany all right, great stuff as always, guys. Thank you very much, Fabrizio, for jumping in. The boys, obviously, very active with the conversation. The comments have been very active as well. We don't want to keep you too much longer because we know you're busy. You're probably <laughs> checking your phone right now. Where's the breaking news? Who's been texting me? Which agent is on my phone right now? Which I will player? be back on Wednesday. I will be back on Wednesday. No <laughs> oh, yes, there's more to come. Make sure you tune back in on Wednesday. Fabrizio will be back with us here. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to say goodbye to Fabrizio right now. We appreciate you. We love you. We respect Thank you. you uh, happy New Year to you. Thanks, Fab. Always a pleasure. Stay there. JJ, stay there. Michael, stay there. Uh, We will return in just a minute. We're going to talk about the mess that is uh, France Football Federation when we return on House of Champions. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Well, here's just a quick reminder to everybody out there. Please do not miss out on any of this Serie A action. Follow some of the biggest stars in the sport like Olivia Giroud, Rafael Leao, Lautaro Martinez as they try to lead their teams to Scudetto title. How will the table change going forward? Which club has the best chance of winning it all? Which clubs have the most to lose? Find out all the answers and stream every single match from Italy's top soccer league live only on Paramount+. Plus. Try one month free if you want with promo code Serie A. Ah, let's get back to it. House of Champions. Welcome back, everyone. Jonathan Johnson, Michael Hood, myself, Ian Joy. Uh, lots to discuss. Great to have Fabrizio on with us as we start the new year. We just get into motion. Transfers are going to be absolutely ridiculous. But JJ, I'm coming to you first because French Football Federation seems to be um, getting attacked a little bit right now. Give us the latest. Maybe let people know out there what's actually going on between the Zidane news, obviously coming from the French football president, but also the response from Kylian Mbappe and this morning, Real Madrid. <laughs> oh, I mean, how how long do we have, guys? Because uh, I know I know you guys accuse me of uh, going on massive rants and uh, uh, and diatribes when it comes to clubs like Lens, but uh, the French Football Federation is a, a completely different kettle of fish. So, okay, you've got Noel Legrette, uh, the French Football Federation president, under contract until 2024, uh, coming out on Saturday with Didier Deschamps, taking everyone by surprise, extending Deschamps' contract until 2026. That's not a two-plus-two deal. Deschamps said clearly in that press conference it's a four-year deal. So if things don't go right for France at Euro 2024, there will have to be uh, a sacking uh, in order for, for France to, to part ways with him. So the assumption at the moment is that France will continue for the next four years uh, under Didier Deschamps. Uh, in 2024, Noël Legrette will be replaced as French Football uh, Federation president. We know that his mandate expires then. However, in the backdrop to all of this, you've got an investigation and audit going on into the French Football Federation because of some of those nasty sexual harassment accusations that we discussed a few months ago on the show. Now, with all that in mind, uh, Noël Legrette goes on the radio uh, on Sunday, speaks on RMC Sport, and um, was basically asked about sort of what Didier Deschamps staying on as France coach means for Zinedine Zidane. And instead of just sort of giving a, you know, a respectful explanation saying, you know, maybe he'll be the next one in line, something like that. And maybe he goes back to club management. It's some very, very weird, twisty, uh, you know, answers where he basically comes across massively disrespectful to arguably the greatest or most legendary French player, uh, you know, certainly in modern times. I mean, obviously, Kylian Mbappe on his way to sort of emulating some of that. But I think as far as, uh, you know, footballing personalities go in France, nobody comes bigger than Zinedine Zidane. And the reaction throughout France, throughout the professional world has been incendiary. Uh, like you said, Real Madrid, uh, you know, sticking the boot in this morning, coming out saying that, you know, Nola Gaet is, you know, hugely uh, disrespectful, uh, you know, basically unprofessional. It's uh, not comments befitting somebody uh, in the kind of position that he's in. Uh, and this it's not only him. Uh, you know, Legrette has an interview as part of the audit process coming up this week. Uh, and the one of the people involved in it is the sports minister in France. And she even came out publicly uh, and hammered Legrette for, for his comments. So you've got that going on. Uh, and probably the most important person to react to all of this was Mbappe himself because he came out and basically... What he's saying here is that Zinedine Zidane, you know, is is French football. He is France. He's one of the most popular 
personalities in the country. Uh, and what, Zinedine, uh, what Mbappe is saying in Zidane's defence here is that you cannot speak about him with such a, a lack of respect. Now, Le Gret has been forced to come out and publicly apologise. I would say it was a very minimalist apology. There's been some suggestions as well that he might try and call Zidane later. Seems like the damage is done. But in any case, we know that Le Gret will be you know, uh, exiting the, the FFF at some point in the future. Whether or not that gets expedited now because of this, because of the audit into the FFF, we don't know yet. But it is, you know, an absolute mess. When you've got former players, uh, you know, and I'm not just talking about players that have retired recently, like uh, Franck Ribéry, you've got guys going back to like, uh, you know, Yuri Djorkaev coming out and saying that, you know, as a president, you cannot be coming out and uh, and, and saying this. Uh, and it's right. And I think, unfortunately, as well, what it also creates is this sort of debate where, you know, Deschamps perhaps maybe gets muddled in a little bit too much with Le Gret. I mean, okay, we can certainly question why they have such a close relationship, but I, I don't think that we can necessarily say that, you know, Deschamps didn't ex didn't deserve to extend his stay with France. I'd question the, the length of it, especially because you don't know how France are going to perform in 2024. But it's all by the by. When you look at some of the, you know, the the quotes, the nature of them from Le Gret, uh, you know, it's it, it's really chilling to think that he is currently the most powerful person in the French Football Federation, and he's talking like that about somebody who quite easily could have been needed uh, as a replacement for Deschamps had things not gone according to plan in Qatar. JJ, I was gobsmacked by this news, and so was my small dog, Reggie. You could have heard him yapping it away when he got the news of this debacle in French football. But thinking about football as a whole in the country, Deschamps gets this contract renewal until 2026. What does this mean for Zinedine Zidane, and how is the French public reacting to the news of his extension? The French public is split. Uh, I think there are some people who understand why the decision was made. Uh, I should also add as well, there has been part of a report uh, in the wake of that extension suggesting that Le Gret actually forced it through. It was him and him alone acting sort of uh, on behalf of the FFF, which makes it a bit more contentious. But my personal opinion is that you know Didier Deschamps is not undeserving uh, of a bit of an extended period in charge of France for what he did during the tournament. But Again, I would question the, the duration. And I think that's where most of the French public kind of fall. They're not necessarily anti-Deschamps because of this. But, you know, France is undeniably very, very pro, very protective, uh, very positive about everything that Zinedine Zidane has done throughout his career and, and his aspirations to become a coach of Le Bleu at some point in the future. And to, to sort of see him denigrated in the way that, that Le Gret did so, uh, you know, in, in basically, you know, almost sort of laughing at the idea that Zidane would go and uh, manage Brazil, uh, you know, was hugely shocking and disrespectful. And this is just the latest, as I explained earlier, in a series of very shocking allegations against Le Gret. The fact that he's still in his position now is actually quite staggering. Uh, and I think that is where the majority of the, the anger, uh, you know, with, that's been stirred up within the, you know, the French footballing world. I mean, it's not even just the, the French footballing world, you know, pe French people, this is the kind of stuff that makes headline news. So to see the president of the, the national teams and the federation coming out and saying this kind of stuff about one of the undisputed golden boys, one of the most unanimous, uh, you know, figures in the country in terms of uniting people and, and positivity, uh, you know, that it has really shocked a, a number of people. And I think this is something that is not just going to rumble on for the next couple of hours, next couple of days. This is something that could go on the next couple of weeks. 
weeks. I mean, the verdict for that uh, audit of the, the FFF is due sort of mid-February, uh, and there is a big feeling that uh, Le Grette might not even uh, last until then. A couple of comments coming in right now. Um, real great comment coming in from Andy SVT here. He says, whip out the checkbook and keep him for the whole show. I think he's talking about Fabrizio, but unfortunately, uh, Jonathan Johnson's incredibly expensive, so we had to let Fabrizio go so we can keep JJ on the show right now. Um, let's get back into it because I love this discussion. We're talking about French football right now and obviously the unrest that's happening with the French Football Federation and their president and his um, unsavory comments about Zinedine Zidane potentially taking over the French job. Um, I think Deschamps personally, JJ, deserves to have the choice if he wants to stay on himself. I'm okay with him staying on for two years. I think if he does a good job over those two years, because if you look at the talent that he has, and he didn't have all of that talent for that last World Cup, if you look at the roster they have, in my opinion, they're probably the best, most stacked roster in all of Europe and potentially the world. I would have loved to have seen a full-strength France against this Argentina side. I think they would have beaten Argentina, although maybe Messi would have had something to say about that. But I think Deschamps is thoroughly deserving of getting another contract for two years. The four years is the question. However, he has done so well. He's got them to another World Cup final and obviously won at the, the previous World Cup. So it's hard to say, hey, you know what? We're going to move on from this when it's still working for him. What I want to ask you about is the comments from Kylian Mbappe. Kylian Mbappe comes out towards the French president in defense of obviously Zinedine Zidane, obviously a hero, an icon in French football. How much power does Mbappe have when it comes to comments like that? Does that potentially put the president at risk when you see the players are stepping up and standing up for Zidane and also saying, hey, little man, president, sit down and shut your mouth? Yeah, I mean, I think this is certainly, um, you know, an example of Mbappe flexing his muscles, but flexing his muscles in a good way, because I think him coming out and sort of taking the lead in terms of firing back at Legret has probably encouraged a lot of others, uh, you know, to, to do the same. I think you can assume that, uh, you know, a lot of the, the current players are probably in the same boat as uh, Mbappe as well, probably staggered, uh, you know, the idea that Le Grette would, uh, you know, dismiss Zidane uh, in this sort of manner. Uh, and I think as well, let's not forget that, you know, Mbappe has grown in power massively, uh, you know, not just at club level, but also in uh, national team level. You had that dispute over the players' image rights a few months back, uh, you know, Mbappe doing this is a sign that he certainly doesn't feel, uh, you know, that Le Grette has sort of a leg to stand on anymore in terms of, uh, you know, asserting any kind of authority, trying to, you know, suspend him from the national team. You know, what he's done here, speaking out against him for disrespect, uh, certainly, uh, you know, disrespect now that Le Grette has had to come down publicly. Uh, you know, it, it, it's not at all in the same sort of category as, uh, you know, Karim Benzema in the past where Le Grette was able to sort of force him out of the, the French national team for more than five years. You know, I don't think Mbappe is worried at all. I think he's probably counting the days uh, until there's a, a breath of fresh air at the French Football Federation. There's a new president, a new regime in charge, uh, you know, and the possibility to change things for the better in the future. Because unfortunately, you know, Le Grette is a relic uh, of decades gone by, uh, you know, and has sort of contributed in many ways towards a bit of a stagnation in an, in an administrative sense uh, that surrounds the, the French national team. Obviously, we can't dispute the amount of talent that's being produced. So I think for, for Mbappe to basically take center stage, uh, you know, with this kind of resistance towards Le Caet, uh, you know, will have, you know, maximized the chances possibly of something being done uh, and, you know, his leadership being further destabilized. And to be honest, it's, uh, it's a self-inflicted wound as well by Le Grette. I mean, 
you know, you have to pick your battles, especially when you're in such a vulnerable position as uh, as he was yep. before he made those comments. So to come out and say that is is basically, you know, suicidal, especially for somebody, uh, you know, who occupies so many, uh, you know, sort of different political positions as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, you said it well, well, both of you, with Zinedine Zidane, what he's meant to French football, what he's meant to football as a whole, especially in the modern era. JJ, final question for me. What are Zidane's short-term options? I, I was I was gutted as a USMNT fan and, and really didn't think that he was going to be the manager when you peel all the layers back, given the drama that was the Reina family. We'll put that in the past. We'll put that in the past. But moving forward, what are some of his short-term options? I mean, because the France national team and the French national team, that was his golden goose that he really wanted. It was. And, you know, also at the end of the day, when we think about it, it's not even really two years until 2024, until the Euros. It's, uh, you know, it's 18 months. If he really, really wants that, it seems like he might be happy to, you know, to sort of continue his sabbatical and wait for that opportunity. But also at the same time, uh, you know, if he is keen to get back into sort of the everyday management aspect, there will be opportunities. There will be club opportunities. I mean, if you look sort of based on his career, there might be one or two club opportunities that open up, notably the, the you know, the Juventus one, because, you know, I don't see Max Allegri sort of staying there long term until the end of the season, sure. But, you know, perhaps, you know, if Juve are in a position of recovery or, or semi-recovery by the summer, maybe they're in a position to to try to, to lure him to Turin. I mean, there are other international opportunities outside of the USMNT in France as well. There was Brazil that was touted. I mean, that was the question that basically got the guys to come out with, uh, you know, all of this guff. And, you know, the, the idea that Zinedine Zidane could potentially lead the Brazilian team, I mean, it's a mouthwatering one when you consider the talent that, uh, you know, Brazil have and the, the talent in depth. Uh, you know, it would be night and day between uh, Jose Mourinho, who we mentioned with Fab earlier, who was potentially a candidate for for Brazil. But I think realistically, it's now going to come down to a choice for Zidane as do you want to wait until 2024 when a lot of things can change? Uh, certainly within the FFF, you'd assume that Legret, uh, you know, if he's not gone before, uh, you know, will certainly be leaving at the end of his mandate. There's no way that he will get uh, another one after this. Uh, or, uh, you know, he could wait and see, bide his time, see what happens on club level. He was close, uh, you know, to to the PSG job in the, the summer just gone. Obviously, Christoph Galtier is doing uh, a good job at the moment, but, uh, you know, that could also change depending on PSG's performance in the Champions League. So maybe that job becomes available again at the end of the season. So I think there are some possibilities for Zidane. It's just a question of waiting and seeing what develops on the radar. I don't think he will jump into, uh, you know, a job immediately or the next next big job that becomes available. I know people, you know, might suggest like, oh, what about if Chelsea come knocking? Zidane has already intimated that he wouldn't really want to coach a team where he can't speak the language fluently enough. That probably ruled out the USMNT as well. Uh, you know, and I think for him, he's got the right mean? idea. He speaks good Spanish? Oh, he speaks good. He speaks great Spanish. So obviously a Spanish speaking posting could work. But uh, in terms of like an English speaking one, I think that would be uh, a a complicating factor, obviously. JJ, I'm not letting you just go on that one there. What Mike should have asked you is what do you want Zidane to do? What would you see as the perfect fit? What do you want and where do you think he should go? (laughs) 
Oh, obviously, when Bordeaux get promoted back from Ligue 2 to Ligue 1, then uh, to rock up there and uh, and take Ligue 1 by storm. No, I mean, realistically, I, I'm, a, I'm a footballing romantic. I have fond memories of uh, Zidane with Juventus. I think that could be a good fit. I was I was beating the drum for, for Pochettino for a while. It doesn't seem like that one will happen. But, uh, you know, I do think that Zidane to Juve would be a, a very interesting dynamic. But, you know, I think if there is the opportunity to get him in as France coach, and I'm not saying that I want France to underperform in 2024 uh you know i do think that there will be uh uh and you know probably an aspect of any potential negotiations with any club in the future on zinedine zidane's part that when the french national team uh manager role becomes available if and when uh you know that he's allowed to go and have those discussions JJ, we got comments coming in right now. I absolutely love here. Here's a few of them. Um, obviously, BXGunner81 is a proud follower and is letting everybody know. Please like people. Please make sure you subscribe. Don't forget to turn on those notifications so you don't miss any of the content. Thank you. But he also says Zidane can also manage super egos, which is a great comment right there, which is why many clubs with big ego players will be interested. And also many federations, including the French Federation, should be interested in a Zidane and taking over there. Um, Krishna thinking that maybe there's a possibility that he could go to Bayern Munich. I don't see it happening. Nagelsmann is very well thought of there, um, but possibly the best comment just coming in right now is from New York Juventino. The Juventus uh, fans are all over the world. We recognize how big and, and well supported they are from New York City as well. JJ saying Juve is possible for Zidane is better than any transfer rumors that Fabrizio could have given us. So please make sure we yeah, I'm going to need to take a screenshot of this and send <laughs> yeah, it to my bosses. It's a, a massive compliment. Jeez. <laughs> I just want to let you know there, all you Juventino out there, that JJ is well paid here. And that's why we had to let uh, Fabrizio go at halftime so that we could keep <laughs> JJ on. Let's get into the, uh, in my opinion, the fairy tale stories that have been happening around cup competitions. All across the globe but obviously JJ we got to talk about Coupe de France there's been many an upset I think there was nine mm. or eight big clubs got knocked out in the English edition of the FA Cup I'm really excited I love it obviously for obvious reasons I was pretty successful in the German FA Cup um, but Coupe de France did not disappoint this weekend JJ it was awesome awesome to watch even if I did lose a lot of money <laughs> I mean, it's the the thing with the Coupe de France is it's genuinely, uh, you know, the coupe I the the cup that I feel had the domestic cup that I feel has the most magic. I mean, for example, you had some great stories. I mean, look at that. Uh, I mean, people might remember Ayman Abdenor from when he played for Monaco, Valencia. He's now, uh, you know, in sort of seeing out the the final few years of his career in Ligue 2 with uh, Tiny Rodez. Who de Rodez draw in the Coupe de France? Monaco, of course. So Abdenor returns to Stade Louis de scores the equalizer in a 2-2 draw. Rodez knock Monaco out on penalties. You know, that's just one great story. You've got third tier Le Puy uh, beating Nice uh, at home 1-0, knocking them out. So that's, you know, a significant scalp. Uh, but I think my favorite one was probably Strasbourg Königshofen. So not Strasbourg, Racing Strasbourg, who sacked Julian <laughs> Stefan, by the way, earlier today. This is Strasbourg Königshofen, who are all the way down in the sixth tier amateur, not even that one one level up uh, gets you to semi-professional status. Uh, they drew nil-nil with Clermont, of course, a Ligue 1 team, but beat them 4-3 on penalties. Those kind of fantastic stories. And I actually just wanted to share some quick insight with the Coupe de France and why it's such a fantastic unifying event in French football every season as well. There isn't 
unwritten tradition that when you're a bigger team and you play against one of the smaller teams, you sort of you leave them your share of the gate receipts so that these small clubs can maximize the opportunities to play against the big boys. It's their one shot each year at a payday, a payday which can actually fund them for the next couple of years, depending on you know what kind of match they go up against, uh, you know, and uh, the sort of attendance that they attract as well. So it is a fantastic domestic cup. There's always surprises, there's always shocks. There's always a team you know, from the depths of French football that goes on a deep run and fingers crossed we're in for more drama this year. I'm going to jump in real quickly because just on the back of what you said there, um, why the, the cup competition mean a lot to me. I was playing um, in cup competition for St. Pauli. We had a great cup run and the cup run essentially kept, kept St. Pauli alive financially. And um, they were running out of money um, and a great story I'll tell you. I went out to warm up on, I can't remember who we were playing. We were playing in, in maybe the third or fourth round. I think it was like Hertha Berlin or, or Bremen or someone like that. I went out to warm up and only one floodlight was on. You know, And it was dark and one floodlight was on. And I don't know if you've been to a game with one floodlight on. You can't see the ball properly, right? It's just like things are weird. And, and I'm like, hey, I said to the groundskeeper, what the F is happening with the lights here? We can't see, we can't warm up properly here. And he's like... We have to wait for the ticket sales before we can get the money in to pay the electricity <laughs> bill, Ian. And then, of course, we went on to have a great cup run. And now the rest is history for St. Pauli. That's how you do it for small clubs. You can survive, you can maintain, but you can also grow with cup competition, with a success. And in Germany, it's very similar to in France. Obviously, you're starting to see a little bit of that love fall back into uh, the FA Cup with England as well. But it's tremendously important for the smaller clubs that are around big cities in particular, and even the smaller clubs in small cities where they can financially survive, they can financially grow and make, in my opinion, the whole the whole uh, cup competition a beautiful success and a beautiful fairy tale as well. Michael, you got a question before we get out of here? Yeah, JJ, you didn't think you were going to come on the show and me not ask the most important cup competition question of all. How many bottles of wine did you drink? After that Aston Villa <laughs> cup set defeat to Stevenage, because I couldn't believe it. Man, that makes two of us. Because uh, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly didn't have en- I didn't have enough wine in the house uh, to deal with the the trauma of that. I mean, hugely disappointing. I mean, our recent FA Cup run, uh, you know, our history in the FA Cup of late has not been impressive at all very very disappointing i felt that we actually gave a better account of ourselves in going out of the league cup to united than we did uh, against uh, stevenage i mean you know credit credit to stevenage you know they kept going they they weren't exactly undeserving because they did you know play well they had a goal chalked off before villa took the lead through uh, morgan sanson and you know, it's it's hugely disappointing, especially in a season where Villa are trying to get into European contention, have probably left it too late in the league uh, and now find themselves out of both domestic cups. Uh, but, you know, you have to trust the process under Unai Emery. I think he'll know now the players that he can trust and who he can't. But, you know, hugely disappointing to go out of the, the FA Cup before a run has even been uh, put together, especially when it felt within reach, uh, you know, sort of 10 minutes before uh, 10 minutes before full time. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's not it's not great, and and, and that look that looks fantastic now for Stevenage because uh, at the end of the day they had the last laugh as well, knocking us off. But you know, at the same time, when you're putting players like Coutinho out on the pitch, you've got a seasoned international like Dendonka making a mistake the way he did. It's yeah, it's hugely galling, and uh, that's me just being polite. 
Also, when you look at the way they defended the winning goal, I mean, oh. from the set play, that was probably, was I mean, they completely switched off. Nobody yeah. nobody wanted yeah. to close them down. Hey, listen, this is great, guys. It's just so great to be back um, on the show. So great to have our, our followers, our loyal followers, our new followers from the World Cup. Um, obviously, the numbers were terrific all the way through the World Cup competition. But obviously, we needed a break as well, and the guys are back and back in action. So we will be back, obviously, religiously throughout the year with all of the best and latest news we can potentially bring you. Please make sure you're following the guys on their social media platforms. Michael LaHood is very active, also as active as his dog has been on the show in recent days. Uh, JJ, go follow him um, also on CBSSports.com, putting up some great articles, but also on his uh, social media platforms as well, as in the great Fabrizio Romano um, on social media, just breaking news left, right, and center. We will be back again on Wednesday. Fabrizio will be back, be back with us, um, but we continuously will be providing the best possible content we can for you throughout the season. So make sure you like, subscribe, and obviously Tell your friends about the show. This show is for you, House of Champions. We created for you the great work over the years that the team has been doing behind the scenes to push this brand, this name forward, and allowing us to be able to be ourselves on the show is, is just brilliant. And you guys are a big part of that show. So thank you to our lo loyal followers and the ones who are commenting pretty much every single week. Um, any more comments from you, JJ, before we get out of here? What are you watching midweek? I know there's a full slate of League One action mm -hmm. on Wednesday. Yeah, I don't, I don't really want to take up much more of you guys' time uh, talking about French football, but I will be at PSG Angers. So uh, mm. let's see. I'm, I'm going to get to watch uh, Unahi up close after his World Cup heroics. So, uh, you know, let's see if they can perform a miracle. But uh, yeah, one one bit of news from Ligue 1. I think I said it earlier. Julien Stéphane uh, out as Strasbourg coach. That's, I think, now eight Ligue 1 coaches. Uh, and we're only at January the 9th. That's already more than we've had last season. Probably more than we've had in a, a many a season, actually. So, uh, yeah, plenty, plenty going on uh, in France's top flight. Mike, uh, Voot Veghorst and Manchester United oh. could be in action this week in the Cup. Yeah. Uh, what are you looking forward to watching before we get out of here? Yeah, looking forward to today. Starts with today, Arsenal-Oxford, FA Cup match. Big, big tie for the Arsenal. Because if they win this one, they could face and then will face Manchester City. Could be a preview of the Premier League running. I just want to let everybody know that while all these games are going on, German football is taking a break right now. They're all on vacation, training in Dubai, sitting by the pool, getting ready. So maybe there isn't anything wrong with Bayern Munich. Maybe they're just doing it right. Maybe they're just taking a vacation right now. Just kidding. Thanks, everybody, for the show. Thank you so much for joining, everybody. Thanks to everybody for listening to House of Champions. Please make sure you take a minute to leave us a rating and a review uh, on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Also available as video, so subscribe to us on YouTube. Thanks to everybody out there for joining in the show. House the Champions is your show. We'll be back at it again with Fabrizio Romano and some of the guys on Wednesday. <laughs>